Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. It's good to be with you today. I believe God has uh, something powerful for you today because he's doing something powerful today. He's restoring lives. He's bringing people into his blessings. He's pulling people out of darkness, out of... uh, out of uh, uh, darkness of mind, out of darkness of the life situations, out of defeat, out of discouragement, out of old patterns. Um, and he's bringing people into the victory that's in Christ. And so I'm excited about this. I'm seeing it happen more and more. We've been talking about restoration over the last few weeks and um, talking about how God restores lives, how he just loves to get into people's lives and fix things that are messed up fix things that have gone wrong, and uh, he, he likes to bring back what's been stolen. The Lord just loves to, you know, when somebody has had things stolen from them, and we'll just say by the devil, by life or whatever, the Lord just loves to bring blessing back to that person. He loves it when that person will turn toward him. And sometimes the person has even been serving the Lord, and uh, things happen. And uh, God just loves to get into that person's life and bring restoration and have a testimony and to be able to say, uh, you know, this is who I am. I love you so much. I've brought restoration into your life. I've made, I've made the, the, the dark places, you know, full of light. I brought joy where there's discouragement. That's who he is. He loves doing that. And he doesn't do it just so that we can praise him. Um, he, he does it because that's who he is. But we ought to praise him. Amen. He loves to be praised. So for Mother's Day, I was thinking about this. Like, what's a mother? Who's a mother in the Bible? that lost about everything, you know, that went through really hard times. I'm just curious, anybody here have a mother come to mind? Yes, that's the one I was thinking about, Naomi. I thought, man, what a, what a great story of, of a mother who lost, like, everything. She went through intense trials, and she went down so far, but then God came through for her. And so I thought it'd be good for us to look at, at her life today since it's Mother's Day, uh, see what her trials look like and uh, how she must have felt, some of the things that she went through, some, you know, some of the thought processes she must have had, and, and what God did on the other side of all of that. Let me go to here. I, I, what I'm going to do today is just go through a few, um, a, a few Uh, points about her story. I'm not going to read a whole lot because I just wouldn't be able to get through the story if I did that. So I'm going to share the story of Naomi with you and then uh, then make a few little points all throughout the message. Um, Okay, so Naomi's living in Bethlehem and her family goes, is experiencing her city, the area, all of Israel is experiencing a famine. Now, we don't really know what a famine's like, all we know, like in America, is like it snowed, and um, you know we go to the grocery store, and there was a run on the grocery store, so everybody panics because we don't have food, you know, or, or the grocery store doesn't have food for a few days. We panic. You remember when COVID started? Everybody bought what toilet paper. All the toilet paper is gone, and people are panicking. Oh, I can't find toilet paper. I can't find toilet paper. So anyway. A famine is a lot worse than that. It's a lot worse than any of you have ever experienced if you've only lived in America. Um, In most parts of the world, you've never experienced a famine really before, the power of a famine. You see, when a famine, there's no food or there's so sparse, you you just have a little food. And just imagine 
a, a mother and she had two boys and she was married, had a husband, a mother having to go through life when she doesn't know how they're going to have food next week or maybe tomorrow. They might be looking at the pantry and there's a little less in the jar. There's a little less beans every day. They're starting to eat, uh, you know, two meals instead of three and then maybe one meal instead of two. And she's going, how are we going to make it? I mean, that is a an intense trial to go through a famine. And she went through that. Now, from there, she they make a very difficult decision to move from from home to move from everybody there they know all their friends all their family they make a decision that they're going to move now we know Naomi is a godly woman and we would presume they prayed about this that they're asking God uh, should we move what should we do we don't see a change here so they end up moving now, they're not moving for opportunity. Most anybody you ever see, they move. You say, oh, we're having to leave everybody. We're leaving family. But they're moving to an opportunity. They're moving to, you know, a job promotion or something like that. They're moving just to get to a place where they can have food. I mean, think about that. And so they're not like, yay, we're in Moab, which is where they moved to. Moab, we always wanted to live in Moab. Moab, we're finally here. No, they're like, there's food. We don't like being here. We don't like having to move away from everybody. We don't have like having to leave everything. But there's food here. I mean, think of, think of what she's gone through so far, right? And then after that, guess what? She's there. They finally got food. And her husband dies. What a trial. Now, even in the good circumstance where you're home and prospering, when your spouse dies, that is an intense trial. Any of you that are married, I mean, if you could imagine your spouse dying, I mean, I'm guessing that for the majority of you, you know, you're going, wow, that would be a big jolt to my life. That'd be so difficult. So her husband died, but again, it's not in a normal situation. They've gone in a famine to a place where they don't know anybody, and the culture's different. There are no Jews there. There are no people serving God there. So they're very different than everybody, and her husband was the provider. So they've gone out of Jerusalem for provision of food, and the, then the provider himself died. I mean, if you're Naomi, you've got to go, I can't believe what's happening here. We've done what we thought we ought to do, and we made this decision, and then my husband dies. I'm sure if they had known he was going to die or that could have happened, they, of course, would have never gone to Moab, but there they are. Thankfully, she's got two boys. She's got two boys that, you know, that are old enough to start helping now, and so her boys are providing there. So, they, they get involved, right? So they're helping mom now. They get married, and of course, the, the mom's being taken care of. Um, but guess what happens next? Both, not one of her boys, but both of her boys die. I mean, can this story get any worse? It keeps going from bad to worse to worse. So she's moved. You know, then this, you know, the provider dies. 
you know, of course, it's very difficult for a woman to make it on her own. Her two boys have died now. She's there in this land by herself with the other two women that her sons have married, but she's essentially there. It's like she's by herself. She's the one that's supposed to be responsible. She's gone and she's got nothing. I mean, what a crazy story this has been. And this has happened over a period of like 10 years or so. So she's been in a 10-year trial of one bad thing after another after another. And this woman is serving God. This woman loves the Lord. I mean, she can't understand what's going on. Now, after that happens, what does she do? She makes a decision. She decides, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. The famine's over. There's food there now. And, um, and, but she realized, because of where she was in life and everything that happened to her, that she would be ex- you know, expected to live in a situation there that would be described as nothing different than just poverty. She's going back, having lost everything. And when she left, she was doing all right. I mean, yes, they didn't have food, but she had a hope there was, you know, oh, we're, we're going to make it. That Now she's coming back having lost everything. And it looks like without some kind of huge intervention, she's going to live in some kind of severe poverty for the rest of her life. And in addition to that, she's in a pattern. Have y'all ever been in a pattern? And, you know, sometimes when one bad thing happens, you go, oh, man, I'm glad that's over. But then what happens if then another bad thing happens? And you go, oh, I can't believe this. You get jolted. But then another bad thing. And then another bad thing. She's been in a pattern of bad things happening to her for over 10 years. It seems like it's never going to stop. So it's not only now she's in poverty. Now she's lost her husband, her children, lost her possessions. She's also in a pattern She's like, this is my life now. Who knows what's going to happen next? It just feels that way. Anything I do, it goes in the wrong direction. Who knows what might happen tomorrow? Now, some of you might have ever felt that way. And when, when these kind of things begin to happen, we begin to get a mindset that this is the way things are supposed to be in life. This is how things are for me somehow. One negative is going to happen after another. I can't get the right situation. I can't get the right relationship. I can't get the right job. I can't get the right, the right place to live. One bad thing after another. It's just me, you see. I do believe sometimes that can be demonic, right, where there's almost like something there working that way. But sometimes I can't explain it. It's just like life just ends up looking bad. I just want to encourage you today because that's not God's will if you're there for you to stay there. God will pop you out of that situation no matter how you got there if you just look toward him and allow your hope to arise on the inside of your heart. Now, let me go back to this story. Now, as I mentioned, these two boys of hers married Moabite women. And um, so... As they're leaving, as she's leaving to go to Bethlehem, these two women that are in her household now are coming with her. She turns around to these women and she says, Look, ladies, I'm going back to Israel. Going back to everybody serves 
the, the God that I've been telling y'all about. Everybody serves that God there. There are no, no Moabites there. And it's going to be hard for y'all to get married there. I mean, and y'all are still young. You ought to stay here, get remarried. There's opportunity for you here. And she also says some things that show that she believes God's going to bless them. And I think that's interesting how sometimes we can know God's good and God blesses, but we'll think God wants to bless somebody else, but not us, right? Because we think, oh, we're in some something. So she's going, I'm cursed. You know, God's against me. But then with them, she's pretty much saying, God's good. God will take care of you. May he bless you. He'll give you new husbands. If you, you just stay here because I want the best for you. If you go with me, it's going to be harder for you because you're not Israelites. And it's, again, it's going to be hard for them to want to marry you <laughs> or for you to start a family. So um, y'all probably know the story. I'll read this part right here. Um, there were two, one of them's name was um, Orpah. O-R-P-A-H. Now, y'all have probably heard this, but Oprah was named after Orpah, but her mom spelled it wrong. And so now her name is Oprah, but this is where her name comes from. But anyway, so Orpah kissed the mom. She's crying, and she goes back to Moab. Ruth is also crying, but it says she clings to Naomi. And Naomi goes, look, Orpah went back to her people and to her gods. And Ruth, but Ruth says, wait a minute. Don't tell me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you lodge, I'm lodging. Your people are going to be my people and your God, my God, where you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. I mean, and she says, and the Lord do to me, and more so, if anything but death parts you and me. Now, I just want to say what an honorable thing she did. She's clinging to this woman. She's letting go of what looks like the best path for her life, where she's going to prosper, where she's going to do well. And she says, you know what? I don't care about that. I don't you know, yes, I'd love to get married. That'd be a wonderful thing. But this is more important to me because this is what's right. I'm going to serve you. I'm connected to you. I'm going to be a part of your life. I will help you. I'll do whatever. And you can't pull me away from you. That is an amazing word. And she's doing it because it's the right thing to do. Not because it's the way to success for her life. And I would just mention this right now. Whenever you do the right thing unto God and you have to sacrifice to do that, that moves God's heart. That moves God's heart. God, God is touched by that. And she went down, so to speak, for a while because that's the choice you made to serve God, to obey Him, to do what He's saying. But let me just say this, too. Whenever you make that choice, God sees. And do you not think God is going to bless? God is watching going, oh, wow. Look at what she just did. Oh, I am going to have to bless her. What ends up happening in this story, I believe, ends up happening to a, a major part because of 
what she did, what she said. Your God's going to be my God. I am not leaving success just to try to go after, you know, what might be best for me. I'm willing to lay down my life to do what's right because this is more important. I just love that. And, uh, and God loves that. And God saw that. And, and again, anytime you lay down something for God and you go forward, God's going to bless you and God's going to give back to you and he's going to increase in your life at the right time. He will begin to put things together. He'll begin to organize things. But I just want you to note what she did there in laying down what looked like the right path for success was the key to the success I believe God brought into their lives. I'll mention a couple of other verses here. Matthew 19, 29 says this, Whoever's left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother, she left her father and mother, by the way, in Moab. It says that later in the, in the Word of God. She left all of that to do the will of God. And Jesus says, Whoever's left all of that for my sake will receive as much back, a hundred times as much, and eternal life. Wow, that's so powerful. Now, I don't know that... I don't know how you can receive a hundred times back for what you give here. I believe it starts when you do it. I believe some of those rewards come here, and I believe some of those rewards we get on the other side. But praise God, those things start here. Another verse says this, Give and it shall be given. A lot of Christians have a hard time with this verse because of our old fleshly stingy nature. We don't like to give. We want to just think about ourselves and about our success, and about us having the best opportunities. But Jesus says, give, and it's going to be given back to you. Um, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men pour into your lap. That's amazing. Now, that's here. Men aren't going to pour into your lap. I don't believe in heaven. So he says here, if you give, if you pour out of yourself, it's going to come back to you. I, I love that. And you see, Naomi, um, excuse me, Ruth had probably never heard that message. It just happened in her life. She's laying down her life to do right. What a great seed she is sowing for God to bless. What a woman of character she was. Anyway, so they go back. They go back. Ruth is going with her. And um, Ruth goes back and she's pretty much doing the work of one that lives in, in like the, the greatest degree of poverty in Israel. She is gleaning. So this is this woman. She's gone back with Naomi. They're in poverty now because of all the bad that's happened. And it says that Ruth is gleaning. That's what she's doing to provide. Now, I'll just explain what that is. When the farmers would go through and the, the grain would be harvested, there's always a little bit left on the ground, right? I mean, it's not like there's a perfect uh, reaping of the grain. Some falls down, they miss some of it. So what somebody did who gleans, they go and they pick up the fragments that's left behind to be able to eat that. Think about that. That is what Ruth is doing for a living. That is what Ruth is doing. She's walking behind, picking up the little fragments that has been left behind. 
it really touches my heart to think of, of where things have gone and how Naomi has had all this bad happen to her. And it touches my heart to see how Ruth has said, no matter what I have to go through, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be a part of your life. And here's Ruth sacrificing herself, gleaning, taking the, I mean, the, the left behinds of what happens after the, the reapers go through. And I want to mention this really quickly here, but there is no dishonor in being poor. Sometimes we look down upon people who are poor. It's easy to do that. We might honor people who, are, who have a lot, who are successful, who have the right clothes on, but God doesn't do that. And there is no dishonor in being poor. And uh, look at Ruth. She had done nothing wrong to become poor. She wasn't lazy. It wasn't that she didn't want to work. If that's why somebody's poor, now that's a different matter. But I'm just saying, here with, with Ruth, no. She was a godly, good woman, worthy of much more than what she had. And yet there she is, poor, poor, and there's no shame in it. And I like the fact that she was not shamed to do what she did. She didn't go out even doing it at night. She just goes. She's not ashamed to do that. what others would call such a menial kind of task, something where she's going to be seen as needy and poor. She's just out there working, 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 doing what has to be done. I just think that's an amazing thing. And again, I know God's heart's got to be touched. You know, watching the, the character of this woman. Now, I just, again, I'll say there is no shame in being poor. But at the same time, God loves to take care of the poor. His heart goes out to the poor. And he loves to bring them out of that poverty and bring them into a place of blessing. And I'd say for every believer here, if you ever have the opportunity to help be a part of that for somebody's life, whether it's helping them learn how to think better, spend their money better, make better choices, or open a door for them, God loves that. God's all into that. He loves to see people go from wherever they are in life to a place of prosperity, right? So anyway, um, you know, again... Another point I want to make about this is if you're going through difficult times and it looks like nothing's going right for you, any of you ever had that happen? You look, hey, that person, look, that person's successful. Why is that person being promoted? Look at that. Why are they doing well? Everybody else I grew up with, look how they're doing right now. Look at, but look at me. What's the matter with me? You know, I, I wondered what, what Naomi might have been thinking or even Ruth. I don't think Ruth was thinking that way at all, actually. But all those thoughts are a lie. People are not more special than you because it looks like they're more blessed than you. That's a lie. You know, there is nobody that had God's attention more than these two women, probably in the whole earth. And they look like they were neglected by God. Nobody's got God's attention more than these two women. But nobody would have known that. And there's nobody in all of Israel I would say nobody that's got more character than Ruth. And look at her status in life. Think about that. 
This is the woman. She's got God's attention more than anybody else in the world. This woman, she's, uh, she's got more character than probably about anybody, you see. And look where she is in life. I just want you to be encouraged wherever you are and whatever trial you're going through. That does not mean that God is against you, that something's wrong with you, that he doesn't care about you, that you're not special just because somebody else has everything. Quit feeling bad about yourself. God is for you. He's with you. He's going to help you come out of that. Just do not give up. And remember, when you are in that position, you have a unique opportunity to choose right and do right and have a right attitude. And that so moves God's heart. It so moves God's heart. And of course, in that situation, Boaz notices this woman. Who's Boaz? He is the farmer, the, the very successful farmer or businessman. He noticed her character and he asked, hey, who is this woman in my fields? That's coming behind you guys. You see, who, who is that? And um, the, the, his helpers say, um, oh, this is the young Moabite woman that came with Naomi. Um, you know, and he's, they explain. And um, she, they, she asked permission, said, can I glean behind the reapers? And uh, they said, she's worked from early morning till right now, and she's hardly even rested. <laughs> I mean, just little, just little tidbits like that make you just go, wow, what a great woman. You see, she's out there working as hard as she can work. And they notice that. They're all going, hey, have you noticed that woman? Man, she's been working all day. She hardly even takes a break. Wow, it's amazing. And Boaz then talks to Ruth. And he says, hey, don't go glean somewhere. Do you see what's happening? God's moving on this man's heart. He sees something special in her. Maybe nobody else does, but this one man sees something special in, in, in uh, Ruth. And God moves on his heart. He goes, wow, look at all I've heard of. He goes, I've heard of all you've done for Naomi. And he saw what she's doing. He's blown away. He goes, let me tell you something. Don't you go anywhere else. We're going to take care of you. They're going to make sure n nobody steals what you're gleaning. Da -da 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 -da. You just stay in my fields. We're going to make sure you're okay. <laughs> You know, and she's like, oh, thank you. I'm so glad I have favor from you. You know, I'm, I'm just going, wow, this story's beginning to turn, right? It's like, wait, there's a little open door. And you know what? It might seem like a little open door, but I'm telling you, when the doors start to open, begin to look, and you go, wow, God's beginning to change things. Sometimes it looks just like a little door, but I'm telling you, when things begin to change, pay attention. That means God's getting involved in a unique way, you see? Whoa, <laughs> what a great story. And it's going to get better. But anyway, then he, he says, um, what, a, what a great thing he says. Is she bows down, why have I found favor? And it says, it's been reported to me all you've done for your mother-in-law, Naomi. I, I've, I have heard about that. The Lord repay your work and may a full reward be given you. I just want you to know that's not just a, oh, a nice little blessing. He is saying exactly what is happening. May the Lord repay your work, what you've done, your sacrifices, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. He's saying, look, you are in a bad situation. It was really hard. But instead of going the easy way out, 
You decided, I'm going to follow God, do things His way, and trust Him to take care of me. He's going, wow, you see, Boaz sees it. And you know what? Sometimes God will use one person to bring you into your blessing. It is so true. You might be called of God. You might be called to be a businessman. You might be called to do whatever. It only takes one person to see that and to, to have notice of that and to bring you up to be a, a door opener for you. And I would just say this too. Let's say you want to get married. You know, you don't need a hundred people to want to get marry you. You only need one. One person. And I think it is so neat. Naomi, excuse me, Ruth laid down the prospect of marriage to do right and to honor God. And guess what God did? What she laid down to do right, God supernaturally brought back and in the place where it would have been most difficult for a Moabite woman to have gotten married, God got that one man. And he wasn't just a one, he wasn't just a normal guy. This was a very well respected man of God who loved God, who was very prosperous in life, who God put her on his heart, and she ended up marrying, to make a long story short, this man named Boaz. I mean, what an amazing story, right? And then, um, and then it goes from there to, of course, back to Naomi. Through Ruth, Naomi was blessed. All right? Through Ruth, Naomi got blessed, right? So what happened? Naomi, excuse me, Ruth gets married. And because of that, all the blessing and the restoration comes to Naomi. And that was God's hand. He used Boaz to bless Ruth. He used Ruth to bless Naomi. It's amazing, but God did that. So what happens? Naomi, at the end of the story, she's got her life back. She's got a family again. She's got a young child, um, was Ruth's child. And she's well, well taken care of. And the big thing is, she's able to sit back and go, God's been with me the whole time. God's been with me the whole time. Now, I just want to end just talking about that a little bit. Because one of the greatest things we need to, to, to know, Lisa, do you happen to have the little story stuck with that? Oh, no, you don't. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll try to remember a story. It doesn't have the whole thing on there. There's a, a story I was going to read. I think I left it somewhere else. But I just wanted to share something about this restoration here. You see, God is always working redemptively. Remember that. You can write it down. God's always working redemptively. He's always wanting to bring people to Him. He's always looking to see where He can pull somebody out of where they are and bring them into something better and, and to bring them to Him. That's the ultimate thing that He's doing. And a lot of times, you understand your life better when you figure that out. When you realize your life's not just about you. I mean, this short life is going to be over so soon. But the big picture is going to be redemption. 
How was God working redemptively in your life? Joseph figured this out. Y'all remember all the trials that Joseph went through? How he was sold into slavery. He worked as a slave. Then he got thrown in jail. He was in the dungeon and all of that. I mean, he had a hard time, right? Think about that. And then at the end of the story, he tells his brothers, I finally came to this conclusion. It was all for you guys. I went through what I went through. My pain was for you. And you might go, he go, oh, I can't believe it. It was all for somebody else. No, that makes life meaningful. He goes, all these trials that I went through, everything I lost, all these years I lost, it's worth it because now I see how God ended up using my sacrifice as a blessing for you, right? Now, in the end of this matter, in fact, Naomi didn't even get to see the complete end of it. But Naomi is looking back, and remember, Boaz is going, you've decided to serve God now. Mo, um, Naomi is looking back, and she's going, if I had not gone to Moab, if I had not gone to Moab, Ruth would have never come to know God. Ruth would have never done what she's done. Ruth would have never been the blessing that she is today. And she's able, Naomi's able to sit back and go at this time in her life and go, wow, God's been with me the whole time. I didn't feel like God was with me. I didn't feel like he was in this. It just seemed like he'd abandoned me. But now I look and I go, oh, he was working the whole time. I just didn't know it. What an amazing story. In fact, if you look at the whole story beyond that, do you know that Ruth, through her lineage, our Messiah was born. God honored that woman that much. And it was worth it to him to send somebody to Moab, even though they went through hard times, to bring her back. You have to understand the story isn't about the husband and the two, two boys she had. It's not about them. You might go, well, what a bad thing happened to them. They died and went to go be with God. Their trial's over. Are y'all with me? The trial isn't about the trial that the husband went through or the trial the two boys. They're with God. The trial's about the one left behind. It's about Naomi. It's about somebody having to go through the mess of life and going, why am I going through this? Why has all this happened to me? What's going on? I can't see anything. And I want to tell you today, it's very important for you to understand when you're going through difficulties that God is with you that even though you don't feel them, you don't understand them, you can't figure out why all this crazy stuff has happened to you. Sometimes you're not going to be able to figure that out until after it's all over and you can look back and go, oh, that's what God was doing. The story I was going to read with, to you, I'll share the best I can. But there was this missionary years, years and years ago, I believe he was from Switzerland, and uh, he and his wife were going to um, wanted to go on the mission field, and they decided to go to the Congo, which is today called Zaire. And so they were going to go to uh, the Congo, and they went there, and they went to this little village. And another family went with them, and the other family, their last name was the Ericsons. And um, when they went to the village, the, the ch chief of the village would not let them in. So they built mud huts on the outside of the village and the chieftain did not even want them to um, talk to people there. 
he allowed one little boy to go visit them and bring them things that they needed. Well, that's the only person they got to talk to, the one boy. Um, so the mother, the, the, the man's wife, she wasn't the mother yet, got to talk to this boy, and she eventually thought, you know what? I can lead this one to the Lord. She left, she led the one to the Lord. That's all. They're still there. She has a baby. She gets sick. I mean, and it's been so hard there. They're living in a mud hut. This woman gets sick and she dies. I think it's like just a few days after she gives birth. This man digs a grave there outside of the city, puts up the cross and puts her name on it. He is so bitter. He leaves that place all bitter. Uh, he, he gives the newborn child to the Ericsons. He's so bitter. He, he gives the child away at that time. He moves on. He's in bitterness. The Ericsons, by the way, something happened to them just very shortly afterward, and they died. So this girl, this little baby girl, ends up in the hands of uh, another missionary family who thought, you know what, we need to move her out and take her somewhere. So for her good, they move back home. They ended up, I think it's in North Dakota, of all places. So she was raised there, didn't know where her dad had gone, didn't hear anything about him. And um, one day, um, this is the craziest story, but look how God moves. One day, years later, she got a magazine from like from that was written you know from switzerland somehow she couldn't read it but she thought why did this come to me and she looks and like on the back page she saw a cross in the ground and her mother's name was on it it was a picture of a cross and she's going wow this is crazy this is crazy that's my mother's name on that cross she goes and she takes it somewhere had somebody translate it and it's the story of what had happened through this woman's life. And this woman had reached one boy. And the boy kept faithful to Christ. As he grew up, he built a school in that town. And he led people to the Lord. Pretty much the whole city, little town, had come to the Lord because of that one boy. And it was big news. I mean, it was recorded, and that happened. And this woman's reading about it going, wow, look what happened for my mom because of my mom. So she wants to find her dad and tell about tell him the story. And um, so she finally finds her dad. He's become an alcoholic. He wants nothing to do with God. He's like in his 70s. It's been all those years, what, like almost 50 years. This man has been bitter about a part of life that he didn't understand. All bitter, all upset, and become an alcoholic. And she's like, Dad, it wasn't in vain. You see, because, by the way, this man and his wife had prayed, God, please show us where to go. We're laying down our lives for you. Show us where to go. He thought God had forsaken him. 
she comes, she shares the story, and she shares how those hundreds have gotten saved. And like, Dad, it did make a difference. And the, of course, the dad breaks down. And over that time, he gives his life back to the Lord. And, and uh, he, he ends up dying just a few weeks later. And I'm, I'm blown away by the story. But I'm looking at this and going, wow, all that man needed to know was God had been with you. It's not that we go through sacrifices. It's not that we lose things, but we don't want to feel like it's done in vain. We don't want to feel like there's no purpose to the sacrifice you've been through, like God wasn't there. It's okay that this man's wife had died now that he realized it wasn't in vain. We were in the will of God. God was with us, but we didn't know it. And what makes it so sad to me was this man lived his whole life under what looked like, a, you know, the, the complete failure because he didn't realize by faith. I don't understand what happened, but he, sh he should have said, I don't know what happened, but God's been with me and I trust that whatever we've done, somehow God's used it. Sometimes that's just what you have to say. And sometimes you won't see until the other side exactly what you did ended up doing for the kingdom. I think it was even after that he died, this daughter was in a conference and there was a minister from Zaire. And, and uh, this daughter was in this conference and she said, have you ever heard of this place and this town, this place? He goes, I'm from there. And this minister was the head of like um, 110,000 believers in Zaire. And he goes, I'm from there. He says, do you know the little boy? Do you hear the story today? He goes, I'm that boy. Can you believe that? <laughs> he was the. <laughs> she goes, this is unbelievable. She ended up meeting the little boy that her mom led to the Lord. And he said, you, he, wanted, he said, you have to come back to Zaire with me because your mom is the most honored woman in the whole place. He says, this is just amazing. So I just want to leave you with that story today. I know moms do a whole lot of things and they don't realize, you know, the, the importance of what they're doing. They're laying down their lives all the time, not realizing the importance of what they're doing. And I think for all of us, you know, maybe some of you have been through some really difficult times. I want to encourage you. God sees what you've been through. God knows your pains. God knows your issues. God knows your problems. And he cares about you. He wants to bless you. And he is watching over all things. And I want you to understand this. He delights in pulling you out of where you have been and bringing you into a new place. And remember, all things, all things, all things. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how things look. All things work to the good, for the good, for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You are not an exception. Your situation is not an exception. God sees, God knows, God understands, and God delights in bringing you out of that and having a testimony where you can taste of the goodness of the Lord even in the land of the living. And I'll go beyond that and I'll just say, and right now I just know a season of restoration is coming in this earth. A season of restoration is coming in the land. Many of you have been through so many different things. You just watch because God said, okay, it's time. The seasons have changed. 
I've done some things I needed to get ready that I had to do to get ready for this season. But watch what's getting ready to happen right now. Many of you are coming out of an old season into an amazing new season. Many groups, many churches, many ministries out of an old season into an amazing new se- season. Some of you have been in messy relationships. Things have happened in your home, your family. Watch what God's getting ready to do. It's going to be amazing because our God is the God who restores, and this is the season of restoration. And I want to just say, can't you sense that? Wake up. Part of the restoration happening happened when Naomi began to wake up and see it. She actually discipled Ruth into the blessing because she started getting hope, and she started seeing what to do. If you don't get hope, sometimes you won't take advantage of the little doors that God begins to give to you. So I want to encourage you today, rise up, be hopeful, and open your eyes and begin to see the little doors that God's bringing your way because watch how they materialize into something big. Amen. Well, Father, we want to thank you for today. Thank you for speaking to us and giving us truth, helping us, God, to be encouraged because we're all going through trials. You even said we would. But, Lord, we thank you that in the middle of our trials, we can have the perspective that if God's for us, why does it matter what we're in? Who can be against us? God's for us. God's going to help us. We're going to pop out of this thing. God's going to be on our side. Lord, we can have the right attitude and victory even in the middle of our greatest difficulties. And we can look at stories like this and encourage ourselves just the way David did and said, you know what? Naomi may have become bitter, but we can learn from her, her story and we don't have to get that way. We can believe you in our difficulties. We can praise you and we're going to see the hand of God move on our behalf all the more quicker. Lord, now we thank you for this, Lord, and I pray a special blessing in every person listening today. And I pray for hope to arise in every person and for everyone to see the hand of God in their lives. Lord, we ask this now. And God, we just so pray for those that have been through devastating situations. They can't figure out why this, why that, and how their lives seem to have fallen apart. Lord, we just pray today, first of all, for comfort, for help, for encouragement. But Lord, we're praying for you to send Ruth to them. We're praying for you to open up Boaz's eyes to that situation. Father, we're just praying, Lord God, that you help people come out of those devastating situations into a place of restoration. We ask you this now, Lord, please help. Please open people's eyes and bring them out of those places in the newness of life. In Jesus' name, amen.